This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, a ski landing on the Alaskan ice succeeds by inches. Zip up your parka and ride along in Slip Sliding Away by Mark Owen. Early May in Kotzebue, Alaska. Snow still covers the grave markers on the hill just east of the main runway. All the nearby water is still frozen, mostly. Hungry Arctic grizzly bears begin leaving their dens. Hunters engage professional guides to assist them in taking trophy grizzly bear in the spring. These hunts require extensive logistical support, and small aircraft are one of the principal means of getting the hunters, their guides, and supplies to and from the hunt locations. I was new to flying on skis with a few hours of instruction from an experienced guide pilot and a few solo operations for practice. As a result, my activities were properly limited to moving equipment and supplies to and from the camps. Flying out in my ski-equipped Piper Super Cub on this particular day, I had an opportunity to snake my way through a number of valleys and around various peaks. On a blue-sky day such as this one, the effect of the sun was dazzling. The reflected ambient light, even in the canyons, renders the terrain nearly featureless for a lack of contrast and shadows. Nearing the camp I was to visit, I proceeded to examine an open area along a frozen stream adjacent to the camp, which had served other pilots as a place to land. This involved making several low passes from different directions to get the benefit of varying light angles and shadows. In the process, one looks for logs, rocks, brush, and black ice. Once that had been accomplished, the recommended practice was to make a very low pass along the intended landing line and gently touch the skis to the snow to leave a track, but not actually land, and then go around and do it again, building up a good visible track. After a couple of passes made this way, I landed. Upon touchdown, I slowed down but maintained enough power to keep me moving to make wide circles at opposite ends of the landing track. This left me with a reasonably packed track for subsequent operations. I slid to a stop, abeamed the camp, and then shut down the airplane and unloaded the supplies I was carrying. 
Since it was about midday, the camp was empty. After a quick snack, I did a quick walk around the airplane, climbed back in, started up, and did a magneto check while sliding along the track. Once I had negotiated the circle at the end, I departed. About 10 miles north of town, I checked in with the flight service station for weather and traffic advisories. The wind was out of the southwest at a few knots. The runways, one is paved, the other gravel, run more or less east-west and north-south, but both were clear of any usable amount of snow for landing. There was no reported traffic, so I stated my intention to land on the ice between the runways. This was the same area from which I had taken off, an area allowing at least 2,600 feet of ground run in any direction. Setting up my final approach to the ice and into the wind, I got the speed down initially to 50 miles an hour, full flaps out, and a low power setting, nearly idle. As I was close to touching down, I noticed a pressure ridge in the ice ahead of me and nearly perpendicular to the line I was flying. Skis are mounted directly to the landing gear axles and have no shock absorbers, so I did not want to slam them into the pressure ridge. I added a couple of hundred RPM for a few seconds, floated on past the ridge, and then settled down onto the ice into the wind. The straight line I was on headed directly toward the spot where we were keeping the airplanes and the Alaska Army National Guard hangar. The hangar was located on a gravel area about 10 feet higher than the water ice level. The hangar was rapidly growing larger as I slid along the ice. Skis do not have brakes. I could not initiate a go-around because of the hangar's proximity and size, so I was pretty much just along for the ride. Adjacent to the hangar, directly in my line of approach, was a large wind-packed snowdrift sloping upward toward the building. I realized I was not going to be stopped before I got to it. I did a hasty shutdown of the aircraft in these last few seconds, mixture, magnetos, master, and fuel off, and opened the door panels on the right side. As I arrived at the snowdrift, the airplane began to slide its way up toward the top of the drift. It came to a stop at last at the top, held in place by the ski tails digging into the drift. Looking out the left front window below, I could see the ski tips extending over the drift's edge by several inches. Below was air for about 15 feet to the rocks and gravel near the hangar's foundation pilings. Ahead was a 10-foot gap between the top of the drift and the hangar, which is where I would have ended up if the airplane had gone any further forward. Isn't luck a wonderful thing? Too bad we can't rely on it. I really should have gone around and set up a different line. Crosswinds are not acceptable, however, since on ice the wind tends to have its way with you. So I left the airplane sitting there at the top of the drift, went inside and got help to slide the airplane back down the drift to the ice to park it, and got correctly and properly chewed out for failing to go around when I still could have back at the pressure ridge. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go. 
as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at AOPA.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.